Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Tennis Weekly Meet, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. We chat with creator Hanya Elkington and British tennis star Naomi Cavaday about the forthcoming Amazon Prime miniseries 15 Love. Chris, it's another episode of Tennis Weekly Meets, and I'm really excited to welcome 15 Love creator and executive producer Hanya Elkington onto the show, alongside tennis star, script, and tennis consultant on 15 Love, Naomi Cavaday. Hello, very nice to be here. It's great to have you here, and how are you both? Wimbledon is on, it's very fitting to be recording on ladies' semi finals days. Mm. Are we watching, and how are we coping? I mean, well, we're certainly not doing any work. My, now that I finish this show, my, I can't make the excuse that watching tennis is work anymore. So I have simply not been working and watching tennis instead. And I am in a very fortunate position where watching tennis is very much what I'm paid to do. So <laughs> I have been sat at Wimbledon all day, every day, watching um, yeah, some phenomenal matches from uh, our, our very privileged position of our commentary box, which is the best seat in the house. We're at court level, they're right in front of us. So you can you can see it all. The sweat just flies onto our box. But yeah. Doesn't sound that great. I'd rather stay on my in my living room sofa actually. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot drier there. <laughs> <laughs> but you are both tennis fans. Obviously, Naomi, you're commentating. But Hanya, the big question we had to ask when watching this, are you a tennis fan? You said you're watching Wimbledon and were you a tennis fan before you started working on this? I have always been a fan of tennis. Um, I was I was brought up in Barnes, so I think kind of it was always on my on my sort of radar. I you know fell in love with watching um, some of those amazing tennis players in the nineties. Agassi was my player of choice because he was such an emotional player, and I just loved kind of how writ large everything was um, on his face. I didn't realized quite how much he was going through until I read his autobiography for the research for this. Um, and I even worked uh, for a short period at the front desk at the Tennis Federation uh, in Roehampton. So tennis has been part of my life for, you know, since a young age. And then when I started working on 15 Love, I really started to kind of do my research and watch more. And so my kind of my passion has grown. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting, I feel, getting a uh, a tennis series on Amazon Prime. I mean, we've obviously had, uh, you know, Breakpoint from, from Netflix, but now this is going to be really, really fascinating to watch. I mean, from your kind of point of view, can you just tell us a little bit about the show? The trailer has dropped. Myself and Chris have been lucky enough to have a sneak peek preview um, at the series, and, and we've both loved it. For our listeners, how would you how would you describe the show? So the show centres on Justine Pierce, um, who 
you know, grows up a bit of a tennis prodigy at the age of 17. She gets a wild card to the French Open and she makes it through to the semifinals. She's got the world at her feet. She's the new British hope. She has this incredibly kind of hothouse, symbiotic, um, successful relationship with her coach, Glenn Lapthorne. And then out on court, uh, you know, in front of a global stage, the worst thing conceivable happens. She's, she sustains a terrible wrist injury um, uh, and crashes out of the tournament. She doesn't rehabilitate. She doesn't continue in the world of competitive tennis. She becomes a physical therapist at the academy where she used to train. Our series begins when her old coach, Glenn, having just won the French Open, comes back into her life. And as they're drawn into each other's orbits, we see that Justine is still very hurt, very bitter about what happened to her. Um, we also realized very quickly that she was in love with Glenn and she makes explosive, explosive allegations against him, which kicks off a story that affects, you know, obviously them, their friends, their personal families and their sporting families. Fantastic. And um, in terms of kind of some of the themes that you've talked about there, it seems like and we talked about Breakpoint. There's lots of this uh, when it comes to tennis, especially with challengers and Zendaya. That trailer also dropped yes. I think, almost the this, this same week. So <laughs> was, yeah, before, was that, was that planned or, or what, was, <laughs> what was going on there? Because it was it felt very much like London buses in terms of like two tennis things coming on at the same time. It did, didn't it? And it actually sort of helped, I think, to kind of drum up more kind of interesting conversations. Mm. They're like, oh, I look, you know, which one looks better and which one will you watch? And um, it was not planned. Uh, but you're right that with, you know, with King Richard last year and then um, Breakpoint, I think people are not only interested in, in watching dramas about tennis, but also know more about behind the scenes and where the personal and professional overlap and what that space looks like and feels like for the players. Because that's what I was going to ask, because what do you think it is about the subject matter that makes it something that kind of really does capture the attention of audiences um, and filmmakers alike in terms of the, is it those dynamics behind the scenes they don't get to see and the contrast between, you know, the grass courts of Wimbledon, everyone wearing white being very prim and proper, and then the realities being very different behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, I think something that really drew me to it and I think really appeals to everyone is the sort of gladiatorial aspect of it. It's a single player sport. Um, so you really have sort of the spotlight on these single athletes, these big personalities. Um, and it's got such a psychological aspect as well. It's one of those games where it's the psychology that can really take your game to the next level. Um, and you can see all of that playing out on the court and in the relationships between the players. Um, and the coaches, you know, I, tennis has recently been described as brutal combat disguised as a vicar's tea party. And I think, and I think you know, what's not, what's not thrilling to dissect about that for a writer and also for a viewer? I think, you know, when I read interviews with, with players, what is clear to me is that the personal and the professional and the, the pain and the joy of triumph are all very hard to untangle um, and that that those are the conundrums and fighting points that this series really looks at. No that's um I'd say to it Naomi from a tennis player's experience do, do you ever feel like it's, it was a brutal Vickers tea party? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that as, a, as an analogy um, yeah I'm not sure I suppose the Vickers tea party definitely focused at, at Wimbledon um, but um, I mean look Quite frankly, I'm sure you guys would agree tennis is the best sport in the world. And uh, quite simply, I mean, there's just so much drama that happens within tennis. I mean, plus everything that happens behind the scenes. There's so much to get your teeth stuck into. And it's also incredibly unique because 
you know, yes, it's my opinion that it's the best sport in the world, but quite factually, it is the biggest sport on the planet for women by a country mile to be involved in. And, you know, it, 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 it's phenomenal that you can be earning millions of dollars a year and be a complete nobody as a female athlete in terms of you can walk down the street and no one knows who you are. Of course, we have the absolute superstars. But, you know, I think, I think it's really fascinating you know, because it is the pinnacle of women's sport. It is the number one thing, as I say, globally in any country. Um, it has the individual nature. It is also wildly dominated by male coaches that think they know best. Um, and, you know, I think it leads to some really, uh, some really fascinating dynamics. And I've always been really interested in that from my playing days and, and post is to, you know, really just why is it the case that there are so few female coaches? I mean, a handful at Wimbledon across 128 players. There's 128 coaches. And as I say, probably less than I can count on one hand. Um, and, and I think a lot of this stuff really plays into that, which is why I was so excited when I saw the script and saw the theme. You know, it wasn't just a simple sort of, you know, here's a relationship and, and, and very sort of straightforward. It was about the, the power dynamics, the control, that you know, and everything else that goes with it. All the stuff that you know, I see. Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating the the aspect of tennis where you've got on court and off court and they can both provide such powerful stories, particularly when they I think um, come together. Um, Hanya, where did your journey start with with Fifteen Love? You you spoke about the the research process and um, how you really really enjoyed that. What was kind of the inspiration? to write 15 love i think you you told us it was uh it's, it's been in the making for over over four years how has that journey to this point been for you it's it's been long um <laughs> it sounds long it's been long and very very rewarding is is the truth um where did it begin so i've wanted to write a sports narrative for a long time and i've always in truth been a bit intimidated by the scale and the fact that it's a very male dominated uh, arena and and just you know the visual effects and and all that side of things um and um i read this article about yeah, towards the end of 2019 and it was this this female journalist and she was looking back at relationships she'd had in her teens sometimes with older men and she was talking about how she felt about those relationships 10 15 years later and i thought how interesting to look at a a really hothouse relationship with that hindsight and through that lens. And at the same time, there were some stories coming up in the press, both about um, tennis and other sports, um, which shone a light on the, the complexities of the coach-player relationship, let us say, because when it works, it is brilliant. And as we were saying, psychologically, it can lift a player to the next level because you're always going to have an older coach with more experience and a younger player who's, you know, in some cases, very, you know, almost a child operating in an adult world. So it can be transformational and brilliant. There are undercurrents that come with that. So I thought, all right, well, maybe this is my sports narrative. Um, and I started doing research 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 and then as i uh, and then as i started writing it through 2020 and 2021 a lot more stories snowballed um female psychology was coming under the spotlight you had simone biles and naomi osaka and emma radicani talking so eloquently and openly about their experience and i thought wow this this is really hitting a slipstream and might be a very topical moment for a show like this to land and in terms of uh, naomi uh, how did you kind of get involved in the show and, and what was your 
expertise that you were bringing to 15 Love the Series? Was it your tennis experiences? Was it how to hit a forehand or, or a backhand? Was it just to make sure it just all looked accurate and that the portrayal of tennis on TV was was befitting of, of real life? It's called how 15 did you Love, which kind is of a good start, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was actually quite accidental to start off with, really. Um, I got contacted by my sister-in-law, who is nothing to do with tennis, um, but her best friend worked at World Productions, who were creating it. And uh, I believe, uh, Hannah can correct me if I'm wrong, but it essentially, you know, they were working on the script, they, they had everything locked down, they had the green light, and uh, they needed to find someone who worked in the world of tennis, and he was the only one who said, well, yeah, I know someone. <laughs> um, yeah, I've only met him a few times. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was asked if I would sort of speak to to Hanya and uh, to Jake, the other executive producer, and uh, take a look at the scripts. And some of them had been written, and, and Hanya was still working on them. And really, originally, it was about looking at the scripts and, and helping to be a script editor and advisor on the very tennis-specific side of things, so the language and that sort of thing. But very quickly after, you know, once I was chatting away with Hanya, we were talking about experiences and talking about specific characters, how they would act, certain lines I've heard in... Um, in real life and, and anecdotes and uh, you know it, it, it was uh, you know as I say it was just very fortunate because it is something that I have been very fascinated by and very passionate about since I, I stopped playing um, you know from my own experiences and and what I've seen around um, and you know and trying to unpick it all really um, and so it was a really good opportunity to do that and I, and you know I just my initial thought was just ah yes this is just yeah, this is about time because I, I do think it's really interesting um, if it can be done in, in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's something where I kind of had the question of when you kind of took the role, were you concerned that you were going to end up in a, a situation where you might have a someone holding the wrong grip on a poster like they had for challenges and you thought, please don't let me be a meme as well as kind of advising on this and making sure because if there's one shot that's hit wrong, people will be coming for Naomi on this one. Look, it was, a, it was a great opportunity to really get involved. And then as we started filming, I was uh, you know, signed on and I was very keen to help in, in every single aspect I possibly could to really make the world. And, and you know, you've got the drama and the storyline, which of course, of course was taken care of by Hanya and you know, by World Productions, who make amazing dramas. It's what they do. It's phenomenal. So I was completely, I was right, it's going to be great. And then my job was really to, to help make sure that the world was believable um, but also, it's something I was passionate about, and this is something that Hanya and Jake said to me as well, was that it was aspirational, that it was buzzy and glossy and, and a place where people want to be because, you know, of course the storyline is challenging, um, but you know, I have no interest in making tennis look bad. As I say, it's the best sport in the world. The opportunities are amazing. Yes, there are flaws, there are pitfalls, there are things that need to be highlighted, um, but you know, I saw that as a really key role and I wanted the tennis to look as believable but as as amazing as possible. I wanted people to watch this and say they want to get involved in tennis. Yes, there's a, a, a story about two individuals. It's not always positive. It's not always rosy, but you know, that's just life. That could happen in any any walk of life. And, and as I say, that, that was my aim. So fingers crossed I achieved that. Yeah, I mean, from watching it, I definitely think so. Um, and from watching kind of some of the the ways that kind of the setup was around the tournaments, it really did feel like those matches had that sort of uh, big atmosphere and um, some of the technique on show I think was very impressive. 
Uh, we've got a few more questions on that a little bit later. Um, but one question that we absolutely wanted to make sure that we asked was um, around kind of Istahania in terms of the fact that we feel that so many people will relate to the characters that are in this. Um, and the way that it was done was obviously to speak to a wider audience than kind of just tennis. Um, she's so real in terms of whether your experience is um, kind of playing at a Grand Slam or whether you don't play tennis at all. And, uh, but what she goes through is actually something that is so prevalent in the tennis community, especially. Um, how important was it for you to kind of shine a light on, on this and some of the abuses of power and some of the dynamics that um, are at work um, and are kind of essential, um, having, as you said, a coach that is older, um, is very much the norm. Um, how important was it to shine a light on a story like this? I mean, shining lights on stories like this is what I do. I like to be a bit of a kind of a disruptor and take the temperature and figure out what people need to hear and what we should be talking about. You know, I think the story in the first instance puts a really interesting lens just on the experience of being a young person, uh, you know, physical perfection, chronic isolation, peer rivalry, um, especially, you know, social media, public humiliation. These are all things that I think will be relatable, not just the tennis community, but to but to a much wider audience. But in terms of um, this particular nexus, this coach player relationship, um, there have been so many great uh, and enlightening things in the press and on podcasts by people talking about their experience. But a younger demographic where these sort of 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds um, are, they don't necessarily, that's not how they consume media necessarily through reading broadsheets or this and that, they they watch streamer shows. So it felt like putting some of these uh, conversations which are very well intended, yes, they're sometimes inflammatory, um, uh, you know, onto that platform felt like a really good way to um, reach that demographic. Um, and, and I, yeah, I just think it's the, it's, it's the right time to get some sort of fresh eyes and voices into, into the conversation. Absolutely. And it does feel like the nature of being on, on Prime is something that will allow many more people to discover it and to discover uh, those stories in a way that you wouldn't necessarily have always thought it would be able to reach such a wide audience with a story that maybe not every single part of media has that much of a vested interest in talking about particularly. Yes, absolutely. I think from my perspective as a writer, um, taking a fictional angle, you know, Justine Pierce is a fictional character, Glenn Lapton is a fictional character. Uh, yes, they exist within the world of tennis, but these are two individuals making their own choices and having their own um, storyline. And I think that was very freeing for me. Uh, we fictionalised Wimbledon, we fictionalised the government, the, the governing bodies. And so I was able to tell a story um, and create characters who, you know, the character of Justine, when I was writing her, I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm writing this incredibly complex, very difficult role for a 22-year-old. And that someone's going to have to step up and be the heart of this extraordinary big streamer show. Um, but but she's the heart of the story so you know it it had to be it had to be that way and and just on that how much of a challenge was it when it came to casting as you said you're you're making these uh these characters that have um you know that, that are quite quite complex um, when you're you're writing them how did that kind of translate into finding actors to play them because you have Ella Lily Highland and Aidan Turner I think, you know, obviously they're great in terms of bringing those um, stories to life and having the appeal, you know, on Amazon Prime, I think, to kind of really bring in 
like a non-tennis audience what was it like working with them and how did you as I say kind of go through that process of of casting and, and finding individuals that would be up to the task of demonstrating the complexities you wanted to show in your script yeah so um we we cast our justine first um because i think as i said before she's the she creates the gravitational force for the entire show she's the heart of it um and we did a, a huge very uh, inclusive diverse sweep of actors with our great casting director lauren evans um and there were so many boxes to tick so many bells to ring so many emotional dramatic um things to be achieved and I, honestly, when I when I started watching the auditions, I thought this is I'm going to have to mod, mod, modify the part. But we'll, we'll, I'll write to the person who's good. And then we saw Ella, and she she just ate it alive. And all of us were kind of blown away. And we'd all watched the audition separately. And we came on to all the executive producers, our amazing director um, Eva Riley and Jake and I came on to um, a, a Zoom session together. And we all said, "Listen, there's." there's someone and I, I really think they're the right person. And we were all a bit defensive and a bit kind of, and then it turned out we all loved, the, you know, Ella. And so that that made it very easy. Um, and then Aiden, uh, I really wanted somebody who, you know, both Ella and Aiden are in person are just rays of sunshine. You meet them and they, they're they full of great energy. They're so game, they're so brave and sort of um, have been so fearless in exploring this. But for Glenn, I, I really wanted someone who you meet them and every fibre in your body tells you they're a great person. And Glenn Lapont is a great person in many ways. He's a great father. He's a great coach. Um, and Aidan brings that that buoyancy and that um, that good energy and dependability to the role that I thought was really important. I think it's also key to say that when we're talking about coaches and players and having the difference in age and experience, we, of course, had that same disparity in terms of our to lead actors, you know, Aiden's very experienced, he's older, Ella Lilly has done very, you know, very little on screen, although she is, I think it's quickly being um, made evident, a, an absolute um, powerhouse of an, of an actor. And and so we needed to make sure that we shored Ella up and gave her um, as much sort of um, input as possible. And Naomi, apart from all of her incredible work on the tennis, I think, was so generous with all the young actors um actually in terms of opening doors really letting them into the experience of what it feels like what it looks like and it's not just the tennis it's how you hold a racket it's the psychology around certain relationships and events it's all of these small details and she was a font of that all the way through and i think it sort of um imbued the drama hopefully with as she said just that that sense of authenticity that allows you to relax and go, oh, well, the tennis is in safe hands. Let's see what's going on in the story. So I think she was a really holistic, you, sorry, you, Naomi, were a very holistic presence um, in all those ways throughout the drama. And and that is something that really sort of elevated all the performances um, as well. Because that's a question we were just literally about to ask in terms of... Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, it's fantastic. It's fantastic because we, we'll ask it to Naomi as well. But in terms of how important it was for the tennis scenes to not necessarily detract from the powerful themes and powerful performances of the actors because they know that they're doing things in the right way. And when it comes to being viewed or watching it back, that it will be fully convincing. Um, how much of a challenge was that to get that right? And also, how did you manage to get it right? Because I think that was one of the... The things from looking at it, I think Alice had an interview. She wanted to be Maria Sharapova in a couple of months. She really was determined to get it down. 
Um, so it seemed like they were very much game for it. But yeah, how important was to get the tennis right to make sure that everything else still felt just as powerful? I mean, it was hugely ambitious. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, but I was really up for the challenge. I think I recognised very quickly speaking with Hanya and Jake that, um, that the most important thing was that um, they did have that insight into what it's like. It is a very strange position to be in when you're 17 years old. Well, I, I was 17 years old, I had to sit down and fire a 40-year-old man. And there's contracts and there's all sorts of to sort out. He's crying. You know, it, it's it's absolutely horrendous. You don't know what you're doing, how you're doing it. You essentially become CEO of your own company overnight. You're 16, you have no no skills to do anything. Um, and then there's this, and there's this very, very strange dynamic. And this was the, the conversation I had with Ella, where she really, I think, started latching on. When we were in a training session, we had a good chat. Um, and uh, and she, she really sort of, I think the penny dropped when I was explaining that, you know, as the player in the situation, you are ultimately the boss and you can fire your coach over breakfast. We're absolutely no reason. We see it happen all the time. Um, however, you are desperate for somebody to come and take control of your career, which in essence is your life. That that really is, and, and that's the real juxtaposition we see particularly on the women's tour is that, as I say, ultimately <laughs> you can fire your coach, but you want your coach to come in and say, right, this is what we're doing, I'm in charge. They're not really in charge, which I think leads to a lot of the really unprofessional behaviour you see because they try and form closer relationships so that they don't get fired. I didn't fire a coach for a year longer than it, it should have been because we were just too close. It was just it was impossible for me to think about that. And as I say, when I finally did, he's crying and all that sort of stuff. You know, the, so the pressures of those relationships are so ridiculously intense. Um, so I, I think I recognise that that was the main priority because that's the story. Um, and what I love so much, like Honey was saying, is about the complexity of it. It's just it's not straightforward. It's not just good, bad. You know, and 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 moving on. Um, you know, when it comes to the tennis, it, obviously that was going to be a, a huge factor, and it was just about I think managing expectations of the production company as to what could be achieved in a very short space of time, um, and also managing those expectations with the actors as well. That was very difficult, um, and basically, um, you know, saying strongly that. I can make them look really good at tennis, but I have to be doing it in a very specific way. Um, and there are certain things that I'm just not going to waste my time with. So, for example, you mentioned the Zentaya poster for, for challenges, and she's in that position behind the head on the, the serving motion, or maybe it's a smash. I don't know, it doesn't look like a shot. Um, <laughs> we're not sure. But it's just, I just Was that in your mind every time you were kind of going going well, to work? You're like, I can't make it look like there's a pancake serve going uh, from a well, an exactly. elite level player. And that, but that was just something that I said from the very beginning: is we can never ever see an actor in that position because it takes top world class juniors years to build that part up, and it's just such an obvious uh, tell that you're not a professional. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was very easy then, obviously, to, to work around it because I just said clearly, I'm not even going to bother. I'm not going to get coached. I had to get coaches to work with these players. I trained them as well myself. And it was just about understanding what the priorities were, which was difficult because I don't have any experience in TV. I don't know, you know, what magic they can work. It turns out, plenty, which is excellent. It was really fun, I <laughs> said. Um, but, um, yeah. There and, were and no really, tennis I, balls, Naomi, at all. None. It was all CGI. It was all CGI. Yeah, well, yes, it, it was. 
so and that was the first thing that I said, you know, in one of the big production meetings was just like, you know, look, you know, in tennis, the most difficult part is receiving. Everybody focuses on the sending skills and the shots. And that's what we want. We want those sending skills. But the receiving skills really don't matter. But it's the hardest bit of tennis to see a ball, track it, run to it, move to it and hit a ball. And there's both the acting. It's just it was just gonna be impossible. So I just said, look, if we just take out the receiving skills, they can just concentrate on how they deliver their shots. And then I think we can get to a position where they will feel fairly autonomous and they'll be able to act as well as um, you know, deliver some, some pretty decent technique. But as I say, there are certain elements of technique that I just said, we're never going to see that. So we have body doubles and lots of other things that we could, we could use to fill in those gaps. But uh, I tried to, um, I don't know whether Hanya feels this, but I tried to from the very beginning all the way through there are always going to be problems and challenges and things where I think, oh, well, that wouldn't happen or this is different or whatever. But I always tried to be somebody who would come up with a solution, a way of making it work, a way of meeting in the middle. I, I never wanted to just stand there and say, well, that wouldn't happen. But, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's just, that's just nonsense. And it was very much the same with the actors. It was about finding you know, where they wanted to go and helping them get there and, and trying lots of things. And they all had strengths and weaknesses to work around. But yeah, look, it was an almighty challenge. But as I say, I yeah, I wanted it to be the best it could possibly be. And, you know, I always wanted it to be positive. And yeah, look, making TV series as Hanyo has more experience than I do, you know, plenty of problems come up on a daily basis. But right, how can we resolve it? How can we make it work? And, uh, you know, I, that was that was my goal. And in terms of, I mean, we've spoken about making sure like the tennis looks real, but talking about the um, like post tennis career, because there's a lot of focus, I think, particularly early on in the series around that sort of adjustment from, you know, the glitz and glam of the tour and then essentially going back to a normal life. Naomi, as as obviously as like an an ex-pro and and going through that that transition as well, were you able also to kind of um, make sure that that was a realistic portrayal on the screen as well? Yeah, I mean, my my absolute favourite scene is um, is a scene at the very beginning of episode six, and uh, and I cried the first four times I watched it, I think, Um, and. And it is, a, it, and that is Ella's acting. And I, actually, I didn't really get involved in this particular scene. Um, but it really hit home. And I messaged Ella straight after I'd watched it, um, you know, because I wasn't there for that part of the, the filming. Um, and it was about, and, and really the emotions conveyed are about, uh, you know, a former pro who is, you know, incredibly happy for somebody else doing incredibly well, for somebody that they're close to but also mourning the career that was cut short. Now, my career was cut short for different reasons to Justine, but I've been sat in that position, and when you're in that player box watching them, that mix of emotions, the delight, especially when you're fresh, and you're, those first few years are really tough. You know, it's really tough to see other people doing what you know you, you thought you would be doing, and, and that's the difficulty. You never know when your peak is going to be. Everybody, you, you know, you reach a, a Grand Slam final, you know, I, was, I literally I was talking to Greg Ovechkin about this the other day. And he's, I was talking to him about his Grand Slam final, and he said, "Well, I just assumed there'd be more, right? But you just you always assume you're on the journey up, and that you're going to keep going, and you're going to play to the thirties. You don't really anticipate that things are going to be cut short for whatever reason. Um, so you do, and, and anybody that I speak to who finishes tennis because they choose to, or because they're forced to, um, or just because they're old, um, I, <laughs> I always say." 
it's a grieving process for you and for everybody else that has, has put so much into it in your entire life. And when I say entire life, it's every minute of every day. It consumes you. So, um, you know, that was for me the most powerful scene. And, um, I mean, the acting I thought was absolutely remarkable. And I, always, I, I mean, I even said to Ella, I was like, I didn't realise I felt that until I watched you do it. And then it just hit me. I was like, oh my God, that's exactly how I felt. And it's, you know, it's with the best will in the world, but it's just the reality of the situation. No, that's, um, I mean, that's incredible because then not only, Hanya, have you managed to make an impact on the wide population, but also people who've been through it have rediscovered things about their own experience that they're seeing up on, on screen. I mean, from the very beginning, if the script felt right to Naomi, if the tennis looks right, and if I can make her cry, I mean, that's the gold standard. If I can, I can make Naomi cry, and then Judy Murray came to the press screening, and she said, Hanya, I've been, I watched it, you know, like sitting right up to the screen, like trying to find something to go, oh, well, the tennis was good, but this and that, she said, it's really, you know, if anyone tells you that it's less than sensational, forget it, it looks great. So those... That those touchstones in the tennis world are very, very good for our confidence with the show going out. Um, because as Naomi just touched on, you know, it, yes, it's about tennis. It's about the personal relationships that underlie tennis. But if we don't get the tennis right, that's the bit that can kill your show. If your show is set in space, if the weightlessness doesn't, you know, gel, no one cares about the characters or the story. Everyone just talks about how, oh, that bit didn't work. And, you know, you end up spending lots of money on a great big albatross. So it was um it was really important to get that right um one of the stand-up pieces in the show and one of the standout sort of dynamics that evolves as you go through um, and no spoilers for anyone here but in terms of something that was very interesting is this dynamic between how glenn interacts with his female players and with his male players and we see that very different power dynamic between being quite insecure in a relationship with a male player and with a female player kind of trying to wrestle control or keep control in those situations. And um, that's something that I think will be really interesting to hear kind of both both your takes on. One, from kind of a, a player perspective, um, and kind of why, as you kind of touched upon at the start, there aren't necessarily more female coaches or why this dynamic does exist in this way and the difference between um, when it comes to having a male coach with um, kind of a female and a male player that they are coaching, but also in terms of the script and how important that was to show the disparity that exists there. So if we go maybe Naomi first for this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, this is one of the early conversations I was having with Hanya and that in general, not everybody, but the vast majority, male players want to collaborate with a coach and female players want a coach to take control. And that is just how it is. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's biology. I don't know whether it's ingrained in us from a young age, which is probably what I would lean a little bit more towards. Um, but and, and I think that is why also female players don't work with female coaches because female coaches want to collaborate. They, they don't want to take charge of every aspect of your life and you know be getting involved in all sorts. Um, you know they just want to you know help you improve on the, on the tennis and and I think that's definitely a strong um, difference in the two. I think then that leads to as you say coaches suiting certain like either men's tennis or women's tennis. So there's loads of coaches I know who are just like, yeah, no, I coach women. You know, I, I coach I coach fourteen to seventeen year old girls, that's that's what I coach. I'm like, it's tennis, it's a sport. Like how how is that a thing? Now I understand and you guys will know, women's tennis very different to men's tennis. But you know, the differences are, are fairly you know, obvious to understand and to understand the reasons why. 
really when you know somebody says you know i just i just coach girls or, or women or whatever and we're talking about men because as you say the vast majority are men um you know it's just a massive red flag <laughs> how can you not coach a guy i mean surely you can do it and they're like yeah no it's not really my wheelhouse um and, and that is a lot about their approach of, of coaching um but as i say it's not just on that side it, that's what girls are looking for i spent six years trying to be a coach and i got absolutely nowhere it was impossible um you know i was you know working at an academy and it was you know not really acceptable to work with any of the boys so that's 60 percent of the kids i can't work with then you just got the girls and the very very top ones want a man to take charge and then you're just left with essentially the, the the bottom section of the girls that are a bit more recreational so you can't you can't get anywhere um and that was the reason as to, to why i gave up yes yeah, uh i mean it's a very tricky and, and challenging you know subject and, and dynamic I think and uh, I think there are no there's no doubt going to be parallels I think when this does come out to me anyway was something that struck me even in the in the first episode were the were the similarities I think with a certain Emma Raducanu in terms of you know a big player coming on at a young age and doing so well and then rocked by rocked by injuries wrist you know wrist wrist injuries um did you kind of see any parallels, I guess, in the story between Justine and, I guess, Emma Raducanu specifically? I feel like it's hard to maybe block out what's kind of going on around you when you're maybe make, like making these scripts. Um, do you choose to kind of just like let that in, like influence you or do you try and just kind of almost keep the script in, in isolation? I mean, I think the only thing that I can do is create my characters and be truthful to their journey so you know i came up with the character of justine and her wrist injury and her her sort of journey through the series as i say the end of 2019 um beginning of 2020 so a long time before emma Raducanu sort of exploded into the global consciousness by you know winning the us open um now of course sure i can see those parallels i can see lots of different parallels i look at Glenn and I go, wow, you're such a chameleon and you really read people's emotions so well and figure out exactly who they need in their life psychologically. And you, be you know, you become that person. I go, oh, that's interesting. I can see that in coach player relationships. I think if we've all done, if I've done my research right, and Naomi with her singular sort of rigor and insight into the world, if we've all done our jobs correctly, we'll be seeing these resonances all over the tennis world. I think the Emma Raducanu one is, is particularly uh, precise. It certainly wasn't. Um, it couldn't have been intended, uh, and it. But we didn't change it, you know, at the last moment because those things came up because it was a, a very particular part of our story. And actually, it's worth saying that when Emma won the U.S. Open, it redoubled Amazon's interest in our show and really helped to push it towards production because this young British player had suddenly done the unthinkable, and Amazon had previously been saying, "Oh, and do we really believe? And do we really?" And it's like yes we do quick but you know and yeah i mean it was already on the rails but it certainly put a, an extra uh, dose of fuel into that engine which was really helpful and um kind of on the the situation uh kind of at, at large around some of the issues that we've talked about we've talked about whether where it comes from let me mention in terms of what, what players are looking for uh, always kind of looking for a lot of players look for male coaches when it comes to tennis and and some of the the pieces that are talked about and are in this is around what you can do and what Justine does 
and how people respond to that and how that can kind of create a wave of people who then she actually almost one by one has to get to come on board with this. But how important is it for the show? There is this positive, this positive arc to what we could be looking at in terms of tennis as a whole and how this dynamic can shift um, within tennis so that it isn't something that always stays stays the same. It's crucial. It's the singular most important uh, part of the show is the positive message, um, the inclusive, uh, the inclusive spirit of it as well, because people have lots of different responses in difficult situations. Some of them make different decisions to each other. Is there one sort of singular way to behave? No, there's not. But I think with Justine, we all wanted to create uh, a role model who was very difficult, unexpected, complex, but aspirational and someone who who feels relevant and that people might be able to see their own experiences in and that might build their confidence to reevaluate their experience um, and creating those those platforms for voices for people to be heard and to speak and to just be in conversation about these themes is is really key at the same time as safeguarding it evolves you know which it which it is doing of course yeah i really do hope it it spurs on uh, a wider conversation i feel like we've almost in the last you know few years maybe hit the, the tip of the iceberg and maybe yeah this can do a lot in terms of i think banging on the drum for what's a really important really important topic particularly on the you know in, in women's tennis at the moment so um yeah it's going to be interesting to see. We've got a couple, we've got a final couple of, of questions to ask you. They are non uh, 15 Love related. Uh, Wimbledon. If that's allowed. Is, is that allowed? That allowed? Actually, yeah, is that allowed? No, is that okay? End call. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we are just done our job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Wimbledon is going on at the moment. Obviously, you've both been uh, watching it and immersing yourself uh, in it over the last kind of fortnight. Who have you been impressed by um, at Wimbledon this year? And who do you think, we're at the semi-final stage, it's ladies' semi-finals day today, men's semi-finals day tomorrow. Who is winning, who are winning the trophies for you? A prediction, Naomi. Oh, I'll go in first, I'm supposed to know something. Um, well... Uh, I picked Sabalenka at the start of the tournament, and for me, I think she's playing best tennis. So I she's still in. That's a guess. A good prediction. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think she's. I think she's going to win. I'm not actually on that semi-final today, which is uh, Sabalenka semi-final. I'm on Svitolina Vondrusova, which I think would be be fascinating. So I'll have to get your top tips on that one. Um, you don't want my top tips and I don't think you want Chris's I'm not going to be on <laughs> you really don't want with mine this one would it's probably better than better than mine but um, yeah so no I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that but I mean it's amazing that the tournament how experienced it is to see it you know I think um, you know even you know throughout the quarterfinals I mean the least experienced players really were Svitolina and Kaguna um, who have both been top five players for a very, very long time. So, you know, normally you get that real breakout. I mean, even Von Drusseter in the semis, I mean, she's been to the final of the slam before. So, they're all eight quarter finalists, so experienced. And then, you know, same on the men's side, I mean, bar Chris Eubanks, but on the, um, in, in the semi finals, particularly the four guys you're looking at, um, yeah, there haven't, hasn't really been a big breakout, like, all the way, as I say, bar, barring Chris Eubanks, really. So, um, so I mean he's been a he's been a fun story. I was on court one yesterday for his, his match and um I've never seen a crowd so into a match where it was just serve and body, serve and body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was not the most thrilling of matches, but they were absolutely loving it. So there you go. 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, and on the men's side, I mean, no, no one's going to touch Djokovic. No. Absolutely yeah. absurd. Okay, we can agree on that. We can agree on yeah, that. Agreed. Hanya, are you are you in the same you in the same boat there on on Novak Djokovic? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with the tide here as by far the least experienced or tennis savvy person. I just yeah, <laughs> I'm putting my ballot in with yours. Okay. Um, personally, <laughs> I've loved watching Onsgaba in this yes. tournament. I just I love her spirit. I love. I think she's such a great role model. I just think she's such a good personality. And when I, you know, she takes, she's done these astounding shots and then they play it in slow-mo and it still looks like she's moving too fast for it to yeah, be possible. Yeah. Um, and that's been great. And it's been interesting to see Andreeva um, coming through as such a young player after working on this show. And I, I really feel for her, you know, trying to maintain that balance between emotion and stress and, her, you know, and, and having such a good run. So... Definitely. So that is a big story. And I think that's the story that we're going to see play out, particularly over the season and probably in years to come. One final question, and it's a question we ask all our guests who come on to uh, onto the Tennis Weekly podcast. Um, it's got nothing to do uh, with nothing, tennis. Nothing at all. Uh, Chris, I think, actually hates when we ask this question, but I've got to ask it anyway, because as I say, we ask it to everyone. Um we're a, we're a British podcast. We've got uh, an international following. And we've got to ask, how do you take your tea? Um, are you tea drinkers or are you, are you coffee drinkers? Um, you we need to know, pims, that's what you know, I said. Tea bags, uh, types of milk. What's your, what's your tea game? All right. So I said that I like disruptors in tennis. I have become a massive disruptor in the world of tea. Uh, so I drink sort of an English breakfast with oat milk. And when I started drinking it, it tasted like dishwater and now i'm a total convert i know it's a bit wrong but actually for me it's very right oh okay interesting it's a good one. Oh, um yes i'm very much a tea drinker not as much as my parents if you go through an entire cabinet of mugs a day um i uh, i think my go-to would be earl grey splash milk yeah that's, that's yep. about it really I think um, which is, I mean, which is can't nice. go wrong so, there. Yeah, can't go wrong there. So, yeah, like a bit of you know, English breakfast or you know, anything, anything going on. As long as it's tea. Not, not really into herbal. <laughs> She's not fussy. <laughs> not, yeah. If it starts with a T-E-A, that yeah. name yeah, is yeah. in. Yeah, done. Well, guys, thank you so much um, for coming on to the show. Uh, we're really, really looking forward to 15 Love coming out um, on Amazon Prime. I believe it comes out on the 21st of July. That's right. Is that, is that right? Friday yes. 21st. And that'll be available Indeed. all over the all over the world. So wherever you are, you should be able to, to watch it through That will be Amazon available Prime. initially in the UK. Okay. And then it will then we'll have the global launch after that. Okay, great. So uh yeah, listeners, watch out for 15 Love. We're going to be putting um a link to where you can watch it um in the description, but for the meantime, um Naomi and Hanya, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the show. Uh, it's been it's been a revelation. I think it's been really interesting to hear the you know the perspective from from writing it but also the perspective um of, of being a tennis a former tennis player so thank you so much for coming on to the show oh it's been great thanks guys thanks for the great questions yeah, thanks guys listeners i hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the tennis weekly podcast remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the atp and wta tours we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or spotify 
You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Tennis Weekly Pod. And so we'll be expecting Hanya and Naomi to you to follow us on all those channels, as well as to email the show at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and check out the website, <laughs> tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back next time at Tennis Weekly HQ for another episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.